It's an unfortunate fact that the elderly are taken advantage of every day. While the laws are complicated and constantly changing, the wisest and safest way to keep track of them all is to call elder law attorney Michael Cohen. Having devoted his career to informing and protecting the elderly, Michael communicates about the law in ways that you and your loved ones will surely understand. Join us now to know your legal rights with Michael Cohen and co-host Don Crawford Jr. Here's Michael and Don. I welcome you once again to another Estate Planning Essentials program, aggressively committed, dedicated, bound to protecting your family, your assets, and you. And I'm sitting with my co-host, my friend, my attorney, who should be your estate planning attorney, Michael Cohen. Hello, Michael. Hello, Don. How you doing? I'm doing fine. I didn't announce who I am. I am Don Crawford, the owner and general manager of KWM Radio, and I'm proudly presenting another program to you with Michael Cohen. We've been doing this five, six, seven years now. I've lost track. We've been doing workshops for over, oh, up to 10 years now. Michael, how long? Have we added them up yet? Uh, December of 2012 was when I started. 12, so almost 10 years. It'll be 10 years next year. So 10 times 10, so well over 100 workshops perhaps by then. So that's great. And those workshops are very helpful to a lot of people. I've gotten so much feedback from listeners and how they've enjoyed them so much because uh, it's very educational. It comes from an expert attorney like Michael Cohen on estate planning and uh, government assistance, and he's been doing so many of them. He's been an attorney for decades, an estate planning attorney. And the next workshop is Tuesday, June the 29th at 1 o'clock. And you should sign up for them because they're free. They're online. You don't ever have to leave the comforts of your own home, and you'll learn so much at those workshops. And, Michael, before we start the program, just a, a quick truncated version of what goes on at those workshops. Oh, we just ask people what they want to know, and mm-hmm. uh, it could be about anything. Uh, uh, it could be about state planning. It could be about Medicaid, like you mentioned. It could be about veterans benefits. Uh, it could be anything in connection with the state planning that people want to know about. And every workshop is different. And we call it a workshop, not a seminar, because although we may have some presentation, it's interactive where people ask questions. and We answer the questions throughout the uh, workshop. So it's a uh, uh, a workshop means it's kind of everybody can talk whenever they want to talk and ask whatever questions they want throughout. It's not a, like a dog and pony show. So uh, it, that's what happens. We ask people what they want to know, and over a couple hours they ask their questions. Great, and I'm glad there's no force feeding. There's no you just ram down all this stuff uh, into the ears and brains and throats of the listeners that they get to come there and uh, ask a question, and you will dutifully answer it like you have all of these years. So sign up for those next workshops, um, and uh, Mike will gladly host that and give you a great deal of information regarding your individual circumstances. Uh, Michael wanted to talk today about something specific when it comes to planning and taxes, and those are called 529s, Michael. First, tell us all about what 529s are and why they're important. Yeah, and this is one of the things that was, has, you know, I told you that each workshop, they're different because you never know what questions that people are going to ask. Right. But I must say that this topic has never been asked. Hmm. Nobody has ever asked about a 529 that I can recall. 
However, it is a useful planning thing in a, in a lot of different respects, uh, not only for college education for a child or a grandchild, but sometimes even in the Medicaid world where somebody is planning to get eligibility for public benefits like long-term care nursing care because uh, there are some exceptions to the transfer penalty rules if somebody were to apply for long-term care Medicaid to help pay for nursing home care costs. Mm-hmm. But nobody's ever asked the question about that, but we we're going to go over that probably a little bit today just because I think it's a useful tool. I have a daughter uh, that uh, is right now is 18 years of age, and she'll be going to college in the fall. And maybe that's why this is more of an interest to me. I when after my kids were born, I made a contribution to a 529, and I made some throughout the years. Uh, even when my older daughter was in college, mm-hmm. I made a contribution to the 529 for her. Now, you might ask why, uh, and I'll tell you right now in a second after I explain what a 529 is. Okay. Just the bottom line is, even if she doesn't use it, she could transfer it to her younger sister. Okay, so let's kind of first of all tell what 529, for those people who are not familiar with it, it's something that you could contribute in any bank or financial institution, which helps generally help pay for college costs, generally. Uh, you know, books and room and board and tuition and transportation. Uh, you you could set it up with as little as $25. Hmm. The money that you put in there, and by the way, the, what the maximum is in Texas is five hundred thousand dollars. Okay, <laughs> it's supposed to cover. Uh, it's supposed to cover, um, you know, not only college but for uh, graduate school. So it's an expensive one at that. And although I will tell you from personal knowledge by my older daughter just getting her master's degree, that <laughs> especially if you go to a private school, uh, it is very it gets to be pretty expensive. Uh, it's uh, uh, depending on the private school, it could be seventy seventy five thousand dollars a year. So that's not including <laughs> some of the cost of living wherever that person might be. Well, in any event, so it's important. Uh, the good news about why five twenty nine because the money that you put in there grows without income taxation, assuming, and then when you withdraw it, you, if it's used for that, you know, books or tuition or room and board, then it's not, you're not taxed on the growth uh, or the income that has been received. So what I did personally, when my kids were just right after they were born, was I put money into a 529 as an option. Now, there are other options, by the way. Some people do Roth IRAs. Some people have UTMA accounts, Uniform Transfer the Miners Act accounts. Uh, so there are advantages and disadvantages of each. Uh, so I'm not telling people to this is uh, this is really more of a financial planning type thing uh, as opposed to I guess estate planning. But uh, I don't know. I find it of interest, and I think that people I find it of interest. Uh, so if you are a grandparent or a parent, uh, the reason why I find it more of interest now is you know we're thinking about uh, tax laws potentially changing. Uh, if your estate is too great, that uh, now you know we're you know with what's going on with the infrastructure plan, I'm starting to think about what will we be doing. What can we be doing if the estate tax gets limit gets reduced? If for people who have uh, larger estates, but it doesn't have to be that way. But I'm just saying it starts making you think about. Uh, I find myself start talking to people about doing some transfer planning 
you know, with a 529, let's say you're the grandparent, you might be the custodian and you might be in control. So even though it's considered a gift, you may be in charge of the money. So there's some benefits there. Now, there's some detriments, too, uh, about that. Besides, the disadvantage is that uh, that could, if, if the kid needs, let's say, uh, financial aid for college, then that may can be considered as something that they would look at. And that would be one of the advantages of the other types of programs that they might not look at uh, for financial assistance, like a, a Roth IRA or something like that, which grows after taxation. Uh, so it's possible that people consider other things. And of course, with the 529, with the growth that I just mentioned, it's the, when you make the withdrawal, uh, there's just no taxation if you use it for that tuition or books or uh, room and board or uh, things like that. Uh, if you didn't use it for those types of things, then it would be income. You would get some income tax issues. Mm-hmm. So, you know, so there there is a downside Whereas if you had it in some other uh, category, uh, like a, uh, a uniform transfers, uniform transfers to minors uh, act account, an UTMA account, which anybody could set up at any um, bank, probably or financial institution. It's not anything that you need an attorney for. Same thing on the 529s. There's 529s in every state. Uh, there's different types of uh, you know, benefits and detriments. In some states, uh, it's more beneficial than in others because they may have state income tax. Of course, in Texas, we don't have any state income tax. Uh, in other states, they might, and if you had to a 529, you might not have the state income tax either. Uh, but here in Texas, we're one of nine states that doesn't have those state income tax, or uh, and we're also favorable to, on the estate tax issues as well. So um, it may even be beneficial even more in some states than uh, it would be in perhaps in Texas. So there are some benefits and detriments. Now, when you have a 529, by the way, it doesn't have to be just for college. That you mentioned mm-hmm. a few years ago when they changed, when the uh, tax law changed uh, and during the Trump administration, they could even use you could even use I think up to about uh, ten thousand dollars a year for kindergarten through twelfth grade. Hmm. You don't even have to be for college education. You had to get a kid in private school or something, uh, and it could be used. And it doesn't have to be for that kid. As I told you before, it could be now. It could even be for yourself. You decide to go back to to school. You could even have the 529 for yourself. Uh, And not to mention for a sibling. You know, I mentioned that for my daughters that uh, I put away for both of them. You could have your own. Uh, I guess a joint account, but usually it's more complicated. So usually you set up an account for each child, mm-hmm. but it could be not only for that kid's sibling, but it could be for a niece or a nephew besides a grandchild or a child in addition to yourself. So it's wow. pretty, there's a lot of different benefits uh, of doing that. Now, the amount that you can give also, okay, so now we got to get into the gift tax law. So when you make a gift, what is the amount that you can normally give? without reporting to the IRS. Well, normally at this time, now I say at this time because whatever I tell you today could change tomorrow, especially with the infrastructure plan. Uh, We know that all tax, well, I shouldn't say all, but many tax laws or many benefits that we get presently, 
that may change in the near future. So right now, for example, you could give up to $15,000 a year per person without reporting to the IRS. The one who makes the gift, not the one who receives the gift, is responsible for reporting if you give more than 15000 a year. So there would be a potentially a gift tax if you gave away more than $15,000 in a year. Okay. Now, right now, <laughs> that's not a problem mm-hmm. because even if you gave away, uh, you could right now, you could give away up to what you could give at death. Right now, what is that? $11.7 million. So technically, if I gave away, uh, you know, $11 million right now, uh, assuming that you hadn't made other gifts in your lifetime, technically, uh, you would not have to pay a gift tax. Now, that may change. The proposals uh, by uh, that have been discussed is reducing that to $1 million. And there's also been discussions about how much you could give to an individual. Instead of being 15000 maybe it's 10000 as opposed to $15,000 a year per person. So if you had, if you were married and you had three children or three grandchildren, well, 15 from you and 15 from spouse times three, uh, that's uh, 90,000. 15 from you and your wife to one mm-hmm. child to each of the other two, that's $90,000 a year that you give away without even reporting to the IRS. Now, again, that could change. Mm-hmm. Now, there's a special thing on, on uh, uh, for college education. There's like a five-year election where you could, for one child, you basically could give away $75,000 at one point, at one, one year, and make a five-year election, and they just treat it like it's 15000 a year for five years uh, and without reporting to the IRS. So now if you gave fifty, they're going like, to have some sort of averaging. So that's like a $10,000 a year over five years. Right. So let's say you wanted to do some other type of gifting, uh, you know, buy a car for somebody, that would be a gift. You know, it's uh, then then you use that part of the exemption this other way or maybe make Christmas gifts or something like that. Mm-hmm. That was an addition. So if you wanted to keep a little bit behind for other gifts, you could do so without reporting up to the $15,000 a year uh, per donee. And again, there's that special uh, $75,000 uh, five-year election that you could do uh, with college with the 529s that you might not do otherwise. So, uh, uh, so in other words, if, if let's say you didn't, that, uh, uh, you gave 175,000, uh, technically the 75,000, uh, to, let's say just to one child for one child or grandchild, uh, then that means the 75,000, that's not a problem, but the hundred thousand, would be in effect reducing from the 11.7 million, so there'd be no gift tax, uh, as well as no estate tax if the person's estate was less than 11.6 million. Mm-hmm. Of course, that law is going to be potentially changed. We know that there, and, and there's a good chance that this law will change. Uh, right now, I said it's 11.7. Uh, there has been talk about reducing that to, let's say, three and a half million. So for people who have a larger estate. Of over three and a half million, then uh, then we then you know that might be an issue. So we this is one of those things that you have to stay tuned on because we find ourselves talking about we don't know what the law is going to be, but we start saying 
that, oh, gee, maybe we need to start reducing the estate if we're real close to the $3.5 million. Now, remember, on the $3.5 million, that includes your retirement accounts, your home, any life insurance policy. So money does, although I know it sounds like an awful lot to a lot of people, and I'm not saying that it isn't, but uh, it it could kind of add up more than your estate could be greater than you realize. Properties getting higher in value in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, continuing to rise. Uh, as well, if you just have a life insurance policy, uh, a lot of times that adds up. And, of course, people have their largest asset, even if it may not pass by their will, it's still part of their estate, their retirement accounts. So it kind of it, things kind of add up. And so with these potential tax laws, you know, there's 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 you know we have to stay in tune. I don't know if you even heard this, but not switching the gears a little bit. One of the one of the things that you know that they're talking about is on this capital gains tax for well-to-do people uh, to change the highest rate from. 20% plus the 3.8% surcharge tax to being whatever their income tax rate, which, you know, right now if it's over like 600 and some odd thousand dollars a year at night for a couple, which I know sounds like an awful lot, but it might be uh, go up to 39.6% uh, tax rate on uh, for capital gains. The reason why I'm bringing this up now is they say that that would be retroactive to April 28th because it's already cut and announced. Uh, you know, so that's for wealthier people. So we have to start thinking about other options on, so, you know, what should we be doing? Should we be, should we be considering doing some sort of transfer planning if, for people who are close to the limits? Uh, should we be considering uh, some of the things that are going on in Congress, uh, or should we just wait uh, that was actually why we did our first workshop was on the laws where there was talk about change of the laws, and that's why we started doing our workshops at the end of 2012 when they were talking about reducing the estate tax limit from five to one million. You know, we've been doing those workshops ever since because people have all these different issues that are combined. Uh, we have to think about not only estate planning, college education, maybe long-term care. If you have an irrevocable 529, uh, it's an exception to the Medicaid five-year look-back period for transfers uh, because they got, Texas wants to encourage people to take care of a grandchild for their college education. So a lot of these things, whether it's long-term care or taxes or your estate, all have to be looked at in a broader spectrum to see if it's the best way to protect you and your family the way you want and the terms and conditions is most desirable for you. That is correct. I understand exactly all that you've said. I'm aware that because of the new administration, the new Senate, the new House and Congress in general, that um, changes are coming, they're imminent, and that um, this new administration at least is more prone to increased taxes. And that means um, they're talking about, as you said, taxing the appreciated value of the unsold asset. And they haven't done that before. Um, and that's going to really upset a lot of people, but it's a serious um, money grab for that administration. And um, they want the money and they're going to tax people in order to get it. And that's the best way to do it now. What does that mean? What does wealthy mean? What does paying your fair share mean? Uh, what does truth mean for these days? Well, we, I think m most of us kind of know that, but a lot of people still are in denial or reject 
what truth truly is. But the truth of the matter is that changes are coming, and there are going to be plenty of them. And Michael is just trying to warn you now that I thought they're going to be retroactive to January 1st, which then when you said uh, April, that made me feel a little bit better. But nevertheless, it's still going to be retroactive. Uh, and anything you do from that day forward is going to be based on the new laws that are enacted. So um, the best way to keep up with this and to have your estate planning or your estate plan evaluated is to attend Michael's next workshop. And that is scheduled for Tuesday, June 29th at 1 o'clock, so this coming Tuesday. And Michael, again, tell them uh, about the workshop and what goes on and um, what they need, what they don't have to do, which means they don't have to get in the car. They can stay home the entire time. And we're doing a virtual workshop, although we're going to probably start doing um, giving people the option to be live as well right. very soon. Good. Uh, but the bottom line is we ask people what they want to know. Uh, it's free. Mm-hmm. All you have to do is uh, just click on a link that we make it very simple for you. We explain how to use Zoom. If you don't know how to use Zoom, don't worry about it. You can do this even from your cell phone if you have a cell phone. So it's really very, very simple. Uh, and what we do is we ask people, what do you want to know? Uh, again, I haven't had the questions that we just talked about here today ever asked. But we never know what people are going to ask. They may ask about the infrastructure plan. and They may ask what we expect that curve. But I've never even had that at this time mm-hmm. because it's pure speculation. But uh, still, we never know what people are going to ask. And we go through for the two hours and answer whatever your questions may be. And you'll learn from others as to what their questions are. Maybe it relates to you. Maybe it doesn't. But you're going to learn something. I guarantee you that. Uh, and uh, and you're going to have a little bit of fun, I think, as long as well along the way. Uh, and to attend that two-hour free estate planning essentials workshop, which you also would get a free one-hour vision meeting if you do attend the workshop, and only for those people who attend the workshop. Uh, all you have to do is call 214-720-0102. That's 214-720-0102 or sign up online at DallasElderLawyer.com. That's DallasElderLawyer.com. And we'll answer the questions that you have, and I think you're going to have some fun along the way. Now, I do want to correct one thing that you said, though, however, Don, and that Mm -hmm. is uh, not all things will be uh, retroactive to April 28th. Okay. Uh, A lot of things will be not effective until January 1st. Uh, of the next year, next year uh, or December, yeah, December 31st is what they're talking about. But on the capital gains tax for well-to-do uh, taxpayers, mm-hmm. uh, that's what they're talking about only as far as the April 28th. So the step-up and basis issue that you mentioned. Uh, so let me kind of clarify. Uh, I understand what you're saying, but maybe some listeners are not familiar mm-hmm. with what you're saying. You know, if you have an asset, let's say you have a home or maybe had stocks that have gone up in value during your lifetime. Uh, in, in the rules as they exist today, uh, generally is that uh, when you die, let's say you had a home that you bought for 100000 it's now worth 300000 uh, Right now, uh, that $200,000, if you haven't sold the home, Live there for you know, then basically if you have if you haven't sold the home then upon your death that two hundred thousand dollar appreciation 
is there's no capital gains tax on that appreciation. Mm-hmm. It's called a step up in basis, a step up from the hundred to the three hundred thousand dollar level. So as you were mentioning in the uh, just a minute ago, one of the proposals is to eliminate the loss, eliminate the step up. In other words, where the children or whoever the beneficiaries are of the estate would have to pay the capital gains tax on the appreciation just as if they had sold it during their lifetime. Okay. Uh, so that's the big thing. Now, I don't think that will pass. Uh, I think, you know, you know, for example, or maybe they'll have some other type of compromise. You know, the biggest asset that most people have is their home. And so they probably would have maybe an exception for the home because that would affect too many voters, you know, to be practical about the issue. Sure. Uh, And and maybe they'll have a certain uh, limit on maybe the first million dollars of gain, for example. So because the theory has been only the wealthy uh, would pay the tax. And so there would, you know, so you're basically saying, look, great majority of people you will not have to pay capital gains tax. However, the Warren Buffetts or the Bill Gates or the, uh, you know, Elon Musk of the world uh, that have not paying those taxes on all the appreciation would be taxed more. That's the theory. And so I would think that if they, if, if, but we got to pay for the infrastructure plan if there is an infrastructure right. plan. Uh, and so, and the pandemic, I mean, you just, you would think that you could only have so much debt. Uh, so the taxation issue is uh, always going to be upon us. And this will change from time to time. As you know, when power changes, there's always changes in the laws. Sure. And uh, so that's to be expected. So I don't know what will finally happen, but I think uh, even, I know that um, the present administration uh, would like to have a uh, tax on the appreciation, but I even think that many Democrats will think that there's a limit to what you could do on that because there's just, if nothing else, there's just too, to, you know, I think all politicians are in for staying in power. Mm-hmm. And uh, sorry, sorry, politicians out there, and part, part of my skepticism, but uh, I, I feel like that you, so you don't want to offend uh, a great majority or many voters. And mm-hmm. so, therefore, since uh, a step up would most people have a home or maybe they have some stocks, but especially a home that you're going to have to have some sort of limits because it's just not going to fly. Nope. So. No doubt about it. Um, you have questions about 529. You have a questions about step up in basis, new tax laws, whatever you think uh, you think is going to happen. You should ask Michael what his opinion is, because he's very informed, very educated and watches this as closely as anybody you should do um, uh, all three things. Watch the news, listen to the news yourself, uh, listen to this program continuously each week, and attend Michael's next workshop. That, again, is Tuesday, June the 29th at 1 o'clock. To sign up for that Zoom virtual online workshop, dial 214 720 Essentials Workshop. Michael Cohen, I thank you, sir. Thank you, Don.
A leading estate planner practicing law in Dallas, Texas for decades now, Michael Cohen is ready to educate you about the estate planning laws that can affect your family and you. The first step is to attend his next workshop by going to his website, which is DallasElderLawyer.com. That's DallasElderLawyer.com to sign up for that free estate planning essentials workshop. Or you can also call him by dialing 214-720-0102. That's 214-720-0102. A talk show host on 770-KAAM for six years, Michael Cohen is the person you want to evaluate and complete what could currently be a deficient estate plan. Make sure it is done your way and sign up for his next workshop today 